I suppose that's what takes me out um, to go and challenge myself as much as I do. And I think a lot of adventure sports people do it for the same reasons. It's because it's joy in um, self-discovery uh, and achievement and obviously being outdoors and lots of like-minded people. It's a small community, but it's a great community. People are amazing. This is Jason Patel, and today we sit down with him on a journey of self-discovery that would unfold on the Rim of Africa, South Africa's longest hike. Jason completed the Rim through hike, hiking the entire length of the Cape Ford Mountains, roughly 750 kilometers over 56 days. The journey would not only change Jason himself, but his entire life and career. So today we have Jason Perthel in studio with us, and we're going to be chatting about Rim of Africa. And if I understand correctly, and for our listeners that don't know Rim of Africa, it is possibly the longest multi-day hike in South Africa. And it covers about 750 kilometers of trail starting from the northern Cedarburg down to just before George on the Otanikwe mountain That's range. That's correct. Um, so what happened? What made you pick Rim of Africa as an adventure to take on? It's a fantastic question. I mean, I suppose it comes down to where you find yourself in life at a particular point in time. So um, when I walked uh, the Rim of Africa through Ike, it was in 2019. And in that year, in roughly May, I'd sort of decided to exit the corporate world, managed to offload the business that I had at that point in time. And I was thinking, when will I actually get an opportunity to do something like a through hike? Because it's quite a commitment in terms of time. You know, it's not everyone can take a few months off. And I always had this thing of wanting to do a through hike. I'd uh, researched quite a couple of them. And most of the research these days that is available to us as a consequence of the American media being so dominant, you land up getting a lot of American through hikes thrown your way. And so you'll have, you know, the PCT or, you know, there's even the Continental Divide, which is the new one that they've got. Um, and these are typically 2,000 mile or more through hikes. And, you know, the more I read of them, the, the better it sounded. But the reality of it is that I couldn't take six months off at, at that time, even though I had a gap, you know, no one can really easily take it off. And you find the people that do through hikes, funny enough, are either people that are very young or people that are sort of getting into sort of around retirement age, you know, where they do have those gaps. So I had a look and I thought, okay, if, if I have time, you know, I would be able to set maybe about two or three months aside. And then I looked at a subsection of the PCT and in particular the High Sierras, which is um, up Northern California. And it's supposed to be one of the most beautiful um, uh, stretches of, of the PCT. Um, and it was just crazily difficult to get in. I don't know if you're aware of how you actually qualify to get onto those. Uh, no. The Americans have got a, uh, like a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a lottery system. It's like a lottery, exactly. It's it's like a lottery system. And so you put your, your name in and you have to say when you're going to start and where you're going to be on day one and two and three and where you're going to exit. And so you really need to know everything that you want to do. And then you go in and they have this lottery thing of which they allocate 50 people a day. And uh, if you don't get in, you automatically go into the next day. And they run that for, I think it's 18 days in a row. And every day you get this really rude email saying, declined. And so Jason ended up not winning the lottery. 
and with the PCT out of the picture, Jason focused his attention closer to home, which is where he discovered the rim of Africa. I think it was late at night and I was like browsing through and I saw this thing and it's these nine traverses that you can do that they're roughly about a week um, in length and or you can do all of them and then like um, okay I said I wonder if I should ask my wife whether I should do this or not you know is it convenient so I thought uh, screw that I'm just going to do it okay and so as with everything just registered and you have to go through like some type of a, a approval process they want to make sure that you know you have some degree of hiking experience and um Fortunately for me, I had done quite a couple of um, multi-day hikes um, already and I knew it was going to be a, a challenge, but at that point in, in my life, it was something that was going to um, be the right thing for me to do. And uh, I thought, you know, what mechanism would be better than, you know, putting yourself through a physical test outside in you know, a beautiful environment like you know, a, a mountain traverse. You know, there's nothing that like a mountain that is going to knock you down to size. It has a way to humble you. Yeah, very much so. And so I think on 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 one hand, you know, when I saw Rome of Africa, I saw that it it it's big and it's challenging. It's um it's wild. Um it's mostly um off path. Um it is guided and uh, fantastic guides. Okay, but my hiking style had never been on a guided hike. That just didn't seem to resonate with me. Um and it's the only way you can walk. Uh, that hike because um, there's a lot of private land that you go over and the Rome of Africa Trust have a long-standing relationship with those landowners um, and the guides are actually amazing and, and the whole thing works extremely well. Um, uh, the only challenge I found was not so much the difficulty of it, it was that you have to walk at the same pace as everyone else and you have to stop when everyone else stops and so on. But it's fine. It's There's no reason why one shouldn't do it. Um, it's more a case of just getting into the rhythm of doing it. I'm going to dive into you just now about preparing and and the challenges of of it. Um, but just just to understand, so how how long is that through hike? So you can do it as as um, uh, traverses, which they call sections, and there are nine of them. So you can sign up for one or all of them, um, and they vary um, in distance and um, in terms of duration of uh, nights or days um, uh, as you probably know the, the, most people always want to know how far it is <laughs> um, and the the length of something in the mountain is actually almost irrelevant um, because if you are scaling Everest you might in a distance only go like two kilometers but you're going what is it eight kilometers vertical you yeah. know so 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 the the, the length is actually not that important it's you know Time hours in the day and and so typically every day you, you land up doing on average about eight hours um, of walking six to yeah. eight hours i would say and and some days where the terrain is more forgiving and flat you might get as as much as 25 kilometers and other days on average you might only get eight but as a full hike it's it's about two months to complete yeah, so when 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 I when I did in 2019, the duration was 56 days in total, of which one of those 56 days is a rest day. So pretty much in the middle, you get one day off. 
So it would be 55 days of continuous walking with a one-off day. To the best of my understanding, they've modified the, the route slightly um, by allowing a few extra days. So I think it's either 58 or 60 days for this year. And um, did you were there core values that you walked away with that you don't expect? I suppose, look, for that degree um, of time, which is two months, um, where you, it, it's sufficiently long to pull you out of what you think is the norm and sufficiently long to, to, to change you that you don't see things uh, the same way anymore. Um, I think it has made me a much more appreciative and tolerant uh, individual because I've actually seen what it's like to be outside of what we deem to be the norm or the rat race as we, as we call it. And, and so one's value system gets reset to, uh, to the positive um, and, and it's succeeding, going through the difficulty uh, does arm you with uh, skills and capabilities that you become almost, you know, like water off the duck's back. You know, it's, yeah. you can really deal with most anything because you've already proven to yourself that you can physically and mentally take on something that you probably thought you couldn't you know, in the first instance. And and that's probably the, the, the biggest gift that such an event gives you is you walk off with a significant amount of improvement in your own capabilities. Uh, I think our, our human nature is to always take the path that's easiest. I don't know why we do that. I mean, I'm fully aware of it, but I, I, and I also fall, you know, victim to it very often. But I, but I'm equally aware that the most grounding and fundamental changes that have made me the person I am only came about through difficulty. And so you have to ask yourself, why do you constantly want to lie in the soft bed as opposed to bashing it up some mountain or something? And most people say, well, it's because it's comfortable. And that's the beauty of hiking. It takes you out of your comfort zone. And it is in this place that we start to learn about ourselves. Tough days in the wilderness seem to shine a light internally. And in the silence of the mountains, you start to hear your inner voice, which is drowned out in everyday life. Again, I, I joke with people that I hike with, um, but it's not really a joke. You know, I say that you know, when you're out hiking, 80% of it sucks. I mean, it's you like, you're in the rain or you know your your socks are wet or it's freezing cold or you know you're sleeping uncomfortably and it's like why why are you doing this okay but it's that 20% you know and that 20% can be defined by a number of things it could be getting to the end of the day it could be the people that you meet it it, it could be even simple things like at the end of the day there's a hot meal waiting for you and you sit around and you actually get to enjoy that um or the, watching the sun go down, or sleeping under the stars, and you know that twenty percent makes it so so much worthwhile. Yeah. But I think it's <clears throat> I think it would be wrong to try give the impression that you know being outdoors and you know doing these multi days is a hundred percent joy. It isn't. Yeah, there's lots of suckiness <laughs> in it. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm interested to know when you when you hiked across room like what what was the most surprising and beautiful things that you came across. You must bear in mind the Rim of Africa only covers the Western Cape, so it has a very similar look to it. So it's the Cape Fold Mountains, um, 
that's predominantly what you're seeing. That's what the whole room is predicated on. Uh, it's within the Feinbos kingdom. So you, at the time that you head off in September, you, you getting into seeing amazing, you know, uh, you know, flowers that are blooming. Um, we had the good fortune of having a, um, a botanist walk with us who could actually tell us what we're looking for and, um, you know, identifying what is rare, understanding the scientific names, not that we remembered them two seconds after we were told, but it's amazing and it's, 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 it's really inspirational to see someone who is so knowledgeable and who can find the smallest details and share that uh, and that was very very nice um, geologically speaking um, you do come across amazing things like crystals just lying around because you know no one's really walking there and um, you know you, you collect these a couple of little rocks I mean don't collect lots of them because your, your weight and your backpack are, are always top of mind um, but the things that really stood out for me um, would be as a general comment the the abundance of water at that time of the year in the cape mountains is huge and it's completely unspoiled it's it's what you would imagine purity of you know drinking water would be like it's just swimming in it drinking it it's like fantastic i mean it's it's the highlight for me is the the cleanliness um, and refreshingness of, of the Cape waters. And you need to get in the mountains to get to it. You know, it's not like a thing you can just open the tap. You must actually go get it. Um, another one is if I look at all nine traverses, personally, my favorite would have been Traverse 4, which is Hex River. Hex River in particular, I wouldn't want to do like the like a whole spoiler alert thing, but it it has some incredible geological amphitheaters and waterfalls and hidden little gems of places that um, you just cannot get to easily. And um, um, and that for me was like you know where am I? You know this doesn't feel like I'm actually on the same planet. It just felt so special. It's almost like a something out of a a book yeah and then then there were other parts of it which you quite rightly said you, you you wouldn't want to take for granted the sunrises and the sunsets and but there are some that are more special than others where you get these incredible purples and yellows at night you know um, where you get to sleep regularly next to you know running water sources so you under the stars so perfect open evenings running water amazing colors a good conversation and those combinations of things are the things that sort of linger in terms of the beauty of it it's not i saw a rock or a, you know a tree or something it's it's really it's a combination of senses that make uh, for things that really stood stood out for me um so tell us like about this the the whole through hike and and the terrain and like why is it so hard on your feet and what did you experience yeah so um so the the first critical thing to note is when we say it, it's it's off trail i mean most people understand what the words mean but they can't really visualize what it practically means so all of us who've done any degree of hiking are uh, accustomed to being on a, a trail um, 
So all of a sudden, when you decide to go off a trail, it feels really weird. And it's really a, a skill that you have to develop because you are in predominantly within the Western Cape, you've got all these different grasses, these restro grasses, they're quite long and you can't see where you're standing. There's a lot of loose rocks and boulders and holes and other things. And and because you're on a mountain, you're walking very often um, at some degree of a camber. So you your ankles are at an angle um, and you're either on the one side of the mountain or on the other side, or you're going up a mountain or down a mountain. Um, and um, because there's no path either, it's it's it is liberating. And when you become good at it, uh, in terms of identifying, you know, when a boulder is going to give way, or you know, which plant you shouldn't stand on, it's actually you you'll actually never want to go on another you know marked path again. Um, but it is difficult. Um, it's it's almost like walking. I don't know if it's a good example, but walking in sand. It's tiring, you know. There's some effort you've got to put in. It's not just a swinging your feet forward. Um, and the Cape Mountains are um, are hard on boots, as mentioned earlier on. Um, and people f- fall over regularly, not to the degree that they hurt themselves, but you know, there's loose boulders, there's things you trip over. So it's a regular occurrence to see someone slipping and falling and stuff like that. And uh, it's just. That's the mountain, you know. It's not. Uh, it's not a highway. So, so who, well, firstly, who's who's Rim of Africa for? Like, if someone listens to this podcast, like, who should do Rim of Africa? I think everyone should do it. Of course, I mean, it's. I, I don't think if we try to reverse that question, who shouldn't do it, um, it would be an easier question to answer. But I, I think that. Um, the first thing for any of the listeners to realize is that it's it's a annual event. It has limited numbers. It's a privilege to go there. there. Yes, there is a cost. And yes, there is some degree of physical fitness and a degree of being uncomfortable. But none of those things actually count for anything relative to the upside that you're going to get. So so if, if you are someone who has a week free and you've never done one of these you know maybe sign up for the first one which is a nice environment it's it's reasonably easy i'm convinced that anyone who who does any of the traverses will inevitably land up doing another one Um, and if i try and project objectively why i think people would do it again um and, and I'm, I'm putting it like this to try to answer why someone should do it is there is a vast amount of joy connecting with similar minded individuals being in an environment that is outside of the traditional day-to-day um, challenges of you know, being in normal society um, that will awaken a a spirit of just living. It's, it's actually being alive. It's actually connecting with almost an enjoyment and purpose of being alive. That's what it does uh, for people. It just wakes them up. And, um, I mean, it's not that you run away from your problems. It's, that's not what it is. But it, it shows you that, you know, when things might look a little bit challenging, there is actually a degree of joy to be had as well. 
So yes, it, it's for everybody, actually. Um, if you are medically unsound, of course you can't go, okay? If you are um, scared of heights, you can still go. In some areas you'll be crawling more than other people, but you will be fine. Um, if you are anxious and you don't get on with people, you'll be fine. Uh, people are very accepting. If you are someone who is an expert and good at everything, well, the mountain will sort you out and you'll be the same as everyone else. So it's, it's really for everybody. We're taking a quick break to thank our sponsor, Scarpa. Since 1938, Scarpa has manufactured their performance mountain footwear in Italy, based on the principles of tradition, experience, innovation, and sustainability, the benchmark against which all other brands are measured. Scarpa is now available in South Africa, with the range covering everything from lifestyle to trail running to rock climbing to high-altitude mountaineering, and it's available at an outdoor specialist store near you. So head over to their website, scarpasa.co.za, for more information. Why I find your story so interesting, actually, is because you you went to RIM almost as your getaway from business. Correct. As a moment to figure you out, I suppose. And you walked away from RIM with what now is a business. Um. So what is what is Forever Fresh now? Yeah, so it's so Forever Fresh is a business that specializes in creating um, freeze-dried meals, so lightweight, highly nutritious meals for outdoor leisure and adventure activities. That's what it does. Um, prior to me doing this, um, there were a few imported products and there were some dehydrated alternatives on the market. Um, but there really wasn't any local producer creating this type of thing. And um, uh, as I said early on in the interview, it was never my intent to go into becoming a food manufacturer. Um, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur from a very early age. And, and what I identified was that there was a, a gap in the market. And even though it's a very niche market, what I liked uh, about it is that there was a lot of joy uh, in terms of creating something that um, is made by hikers for hikers. And, you know, in my previous job, it was a IT banking and insurance environment, and we sold a lot of vaporware and smoke and mirrors stuff. Okay, It was not very tangible stuff. And, and in this business, you know, you, you're physically selling something and you're engaging with a customer and... Uh, and, and what I got out of it is just dealing with the type of people that get joy from your product. You know, it's like um, operating a business is very challenging. Operating a business in South Africa is extremely challenging. Operating a business within a very defined niche is also challenging, but it allows you to really connect with your, your customer because you have a depth relationship with them. And if you have a good product, you have repeat customers and um what we found is by putting in world-class standards, whether it is in the pouches we use or the ingredients that we that we put into the meals or how we've actually 
gone about creating the meals and the whole value proposition around it, we have repeat uh, customers and we have positive reviews. I mean, we've got over 300 um, reviews now on our, our website from independent customers. We've got multiple people that buy regularly. And it's just so nice. You know, in my previous business in the banking and insurance stuff, we, we went out to help tens and thousands of of customers, I can't recall as the CEO ever receiving an email from someone saying, thank you so much for providing these wonderful services and this this cheaper alternative. Um, and I don't mean to be facetious, facetious about it, it's just to put it in comparison now, I create simple meals for people and they'll say, you know, me, my wife, my group, uh, friends, we went out and it was, restaurant quality and we had such an amazing time and thank you forever fresh for doing this and that's like so rewarding for us um where we get this positive reinforcement and people saying thank you and sending pictures and videos and and just really being grateful it's so um rewarding to actually put in the hard work because it's incredibly hard work i mean we work Six days a week, we work very late hours. Uh, we put a lot of effort into it and um, put a lot of thought into it as well. It's it's not all roses with no thorns, though, in all honesty. I mean, you know, being in the food business, people have different tastes. And so you will have, in exactly the same meal, you will have things like, um, it's too salty, it's not salty enough. Or it was perfect quantity no it's not enough so so i understand that and i think anyone who's in the food business understands that and in general we we look to be a highly adaptive business to bring um products that meet as broader acceptance as possible but one of the things that we decided to do and a lot of people say oh, you're crazy to do this is to depart from the traditional hiking meals that people would say, oh, it's spaghetti bolognese or it's a uh, chicken ala king or we didn't, we decided not to do that at all. And we decided to go for these obscure things like Thai chicken curry and uh, lamb tagine, you know, and these like strange meals. And um, I said like, why? I said, well, I was out in the mountains. I literally was there. And when I was walking, I was thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? And if it was like two minute noodles or a wrap or something like that, it wasn't going to do it for me. You know, I was thinking something like, what is it? My whole mouth must start like salivating. I want to like get into this reward because that's what you need. At the end of the day, you need a reward. And um, that's what we set out to do, to create something that would really give people satisfaction and the calories and the nutrition to say, look, yeah, this 80% sucky part is totally worth it. What, what's the next big adventure or are you waiting to retire again? <laughs> <laughs> retire again, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, so the irony of it is is that, you know, I set out to um, create this. I, well, I didn't set out to create the business, sorry. That's what I was. I didn't set out to create it. And so the business has sort of just taken off and the, the irony of it is is that we are trapped in our business of trying to keep up with the demand, trying to satisfy uh, the customer orders, trying to ensure that we better it every single day. And so I don't get as much time to go out anymore. You know, it's like the odd occasion that I get to do like a, a day walk, you know, not even an overnight. Uh, I mean, recently I had the good fortune of being able to walk the Fish River again. 
But in general, I don't get the, the time and it's just a part of the business. It's the phase. It's nothing unusual. It's, it's a foundational phase where we're establishing it. Um, but I, it doesn't stop me from thinking about where's the next you know, big adventure and it will come as, as, it, as it always does. And so I have my sights set on Japan um, and there are some incredible walks there. They almost have the equivalent of what I think they refer to the Japanese Alps, which are right up north. Um, and I'm looking at something there that would also be probably about 480 kilometer walk um, and that would also be um, one where I actually would like to take the meals and look at a completely self-sustained full carry for the full hike to actually see you know what is possible and actually try and introduce something that's a bit new and different in terms of seeing a different environment a different culture but then also knowing that you know we are in the food business you know, what learnings can I take out of this? What can I actually put forward that will actually help other people as well in future self-sustained, long-term, you know, through hike type adventures. Um, is there anything else you want to share about RIM that you think people should know about? There is uh, one of my things I did to try and help future thru-hikers. Um, I did write a um, thru-hike guide. Um, so there's a PDF document that's available through the um, Room of Africa organizers or people can get it directly from me as well. I would recommend they get it from them because some of the stages have changed a little bit and you know it's a living document that I kicked off and hopefully other thru-hikers have also contributed it subsequent. Um, and so if anyone is considering it on the back of avoiding like the experience I had of not knowing anything, um, it goes into all facets of preparedness. Um, it's uh, the kit, the experience, and then to a certain degree what to expect post um, finishing a through hike. What happens post finishing a through hike? It's the most challenging part of the through hike. Why? Because you have changed fundamentally as a person and your ability to integrate back into environment has fundamentally changed and the way you see people and where your value system sits has changed phenomenally. So you find yourself being the square peg in the round hole and that is the biggest challenge for through hikers. How long do you feel like that square for long. Eh? I mean, uh, to share an experience with you, I know we're at the end of the interview, but I think you will appreciate this little snippet is that my wife arranged a whole group of friends as a welcoming back thing. And we had a big group of people around the table and there was a proper meal and there was wine and drinks and stuff and just what we would normally do. And I felt myself cringing into a little corner, observing these people that otherwise were considered good and close friends of mine and thinking, is this what I was or is this the type of conversation that I used to engage in? Are those the topics that were of importance? And I completely ejected myself with a different um, frame of reference of what was important and not to belittle them and they're still friends of mine and I'm not give, I don't want to give the impression that what they were doing was wrong. It was just an awareness thing that what I thought was important uh, I'd sort of moved outside of that and and then you say like do I actually fit in there or where do you fit in um, 
And then can you only fit in with now a similar minded group of people and do you now get relegated to go live in the mountains again you know and it is it is a bit confusing um, and as with time you eventually do seep your way back into the norms of how you not how you were but you become more accommodative of everyday you know suburban living I suppose the suburban issues become your issues again. Yeah, and it, it will, it will, it, it just things have changed. Eh? I mean, the mountain does does change you, um, and the t- the type of people I engage with are different, um, with different values, um, and I would much rather hang out with someone in the mountain than I would say going, you know, on a luxury cruise somewhere. That goes without saying. Whereas in the past, that might might not have been the case. Thank you, Jason, for sharing your amazing journey with us. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. We have been blown away by the support and have loved reading all the messages and feedback. But we'd like your help to share this podcast far and wide. So tell your friends and family about keeping it wild and share it on your social media, on your favorite hiking, trail running or adventure WhatsApp group. It will really make a difference. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Patreon. It's easy and cheap and will go a long way in ensuring that we can record many more wild episodes. You can find out all the details on our website, www.keepingitwild.co.za Keeping It Wild is produced by Telltale Media and hosted by me, Blake Dyson. Till next time, keep wild and keep wild.